You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Just sitting here broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studios, man. Make sure you're using promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. So I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but there is a, a debate raging right now in the Packernet Facebook group. It's getting a little hot and heavy, and I'll be honest, I don't really want to settle it because it's a lot of fun to watch, and I'm secretly, don't tell anyone, I am cracking up. But the, the, the good folks in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group are really trying as hard as they can to get to the bottom of what the name of the Packers defense should be. A lot of good points being, uh, being made. Some of the greatest minds in all of Packerdom have gathered for this great debate. So I want I, <laughs> yes, I want to start off with that and a uh, few other random observations before we jump into what uh, PFF had to say. Uh, one other note, if you guys wouldn't mind, if you're a fan of the NFL draft, I'm, um, I'm going to put myself through some pain for a little bit. Decided to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to try to get that podcast going daily as well. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a grind, and I, I really just want to try to get that thing uh, up and running. If you wouldn't mind just giving it a shot, just go check it out. Go subscribe on iTunes, Stitch, or wherever it is you're doing that. If you're listening and you enjoy it, if you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star iTunes review, it would really, really help me out. The show is Overtime NFL Draft Edition. I'm not asking for charity. If you don't like the show, just go ahead and pass it along. But I know we got a lot of draft fans here, and so if you wouldn't mind adding it to your list of shows, uh, that would be pretty awesome there's a there's a lot of information it's a lot about um so we're gonna have mock drafts so you're gonna be hearing about the packers a lot uh every week so every week there's gonna be a mock draft for 2020 there's also gonna be a redraft for 2019 which is cool because rashawn gary and uh and darnell savage have already been redrafted because they've been doing pretty well so far but that's also a lot of fun so there's plenty of packers content in there gonna be doing a Packers seven round mock in the near future just give it a shot will you thanks a lot Otherwise, we have way too much to get to and not enough time. So let's take our break and jump right back into it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. 
Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So I just want to keep everybody up to date on what's going on here because, as I said, this is getting serious. This defense is the kind of defense that needs a name, and we got to make sure that we nail this thing. So the madness started yesterday very innocently. Wendy kind of jumped in. She says, since the Packers play in the frozen tundra, tundra and the Arctic wolf is an animal that lives in the tundra, the defense should be called the Tundra Wolf Pack. So there's an idea. Blaine gets his own idea and says, hey, let's take that and match it up with what I said yesterday, which was referring to NWO, the wolf pack there. He says, how about the Tundra World Order? And, and now we're off and running. Josh in the group finally gets fed up with the wolf pack stuff and says, we can't do it. And his reference, well, this is the reason we cannot use the wolf pack. You guys might not know this, but I consider myself a bit of a loner. I tend to think of myself as a one-man wolf pack. But when my sister brought Doug home, I knew he was one of my own. And my wolf pack, it grew by one. So were there two of us, there were two of us in the wolf pack. I was alone first in the pack, and then Doug joined in later. So clearly, um, potential potential issues there. Negative connotation, maybe. Josh then follows up and says his own idea, not necessarily his, but something that he likes, is the smithereens. So we got that. We, we'll add that to the list. And then David says, not the wolf pack, the pack attack, which is already kind of a thing, but we'll make it the official thing. So, so throw that on the list. Then Justin, whose voice has just not been heard at all and has had enough of this nonsense, says, I don't know why we're dismissing the Snowfly Zone. That is by far the superior nickname to all the rest of the corny wolf nicknames. Because enough with the wolves, right? I, I, yeah, man. Crazy wolves and stuff. Well, then Billy jumps in and he says, I hate to tell you guys this. Snowflies and, and wolves and smithereens. But the defense has already come up with their own name. And it's the D-Train. If you look at uh, Instagram or whatever, Flickr talk, I don't know what the kids are doing. They're basically commenting on all their own posts with a D and a train and a bunch of exclamation points. Sometimes they spell train, sometimes they just put a picture of a train. Now, this is a family program, so I'm not going to explain what possibly the negative connotation of a D train would be. I'm, I'm personally going to say I'm not a big fan of it. However... Very good point made here by Billy that if the defense is already calling themselves the D... Oh, boy. I'm not immature. I'm not going to giggle at that. If the defense is already calling themselves the D-Train, maybe we should just go with that. should also be noted that Chandon Sullivan of the Green Bay Packers, in the midst of all the D-Train comments, screamed slime. So, I don't know if that's relevant or not, but this is what... Um, I don't know what they're doing on this, this website. But slime, we could add slime to the list. I don't I don't know. I don't know what anything means at this point. 
Either way, Mike jumps immediately in the comments and says, I got it. It's the dog pack. Nathan says no. Billy comments on his own post and says, look, I got more more proof. D-train. Kenny Clark's on the, on the D-train. Mike says, that's kind of lame. I don't get the train thing, which I agree with. What does the train have to do with anything? Also, D-what? Because of defense? We're going to call ourselves the defense train? I mean, they're good at, at tackling and sacks and, and interceptions and, and those kinds. D-train, though? I, I got to admit, Mike has got a point here. That's kind of dumb. Billy explains it, though, and says, getting hit by a train, though, think about it. That would suck, right? So, solid point there. Mike follows that up with, I don't care what they call us as long as they keep getting turnovers. Worst take ever. This is this is more important than interceptions. we got to get this figured out. There's a few more comments about D-Train, and then another great point is made. In the midst of trying to figure out what in the world D-Train even means, James just comes up with a great response. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. No, it's not. It gets the people going. So as you can see, things are just getting pretty wild. I would encourage you to jump in that conversation. We got packs of wild dogs and wolves, snowflies, the big old D train, you know? Either way, we got to get to the bottom of this. And I'm telling you right now, there's going to be at least one sweet t-shirt getting out of this. So don't mess this up. Anyways, let's figure out what's going on from the PFF worldview. Because that was a pretty sweet game. Not perfect, but pretty sweet. So first of all, although the Bears game has not been graded yet, most of these teams have been graded. So let's look at where the Packers stand overall. And I got some good news for you folks. Right now, via PFF, the Green Bay Packers sit as the sixth overall team in the NFL. One spot ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs. The offense, however, is the biggest hindrance. The defense is carrying this team but it's pretty ugly. The, the Packers right now are graded as the 22nd best offense. Not even good. It's, uh, it's average. Um, a half a tick behind the Denver Broncos and ahead of the Washington Redskins. It's not good. Uh, once again, PFF is not super anti-Aaron Rodgers, as we'll see. Uh, the last couple of weeks haven't been that bad. So uh, the passing grade right now, the Packers are ranked 9th. Pass blocking, also not too bad. Not as good as, as we're used to, but that's also going to be 9th. Receiving... The Packers are ranked 21st in the NFL. Now, Devontae is, is doing fine, but again, things are not super great beyond that. Now, Marquez had a good week last week, which is awesome. It's going to help, and hopefully that can continue. A lot of things, if they can continue, are going to get better, and the Packers are going to climb in the rankings. But as of right now, not very good. Run grade, the Packers are 23rd. Packers are just not good at running the ball. Run blocking, 22nd. So a lot of grades, 22-23-ish. With the exception of Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, you know, and, and some decent pass blocking, it's just, it's, it's, it's got to get better. Now for the good news. You ready for this? I mentioned that this would probably be, 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 be the case, and it is. The number one defense is still the New England Patriots. They're number one by an absolute mile. Every single phase of their defense is solid. Their, their linebackers are ridiculous. Their corners and safeties are ridiculous. Their defensive front is ridiculous. Everybody is just clutch. Everybody's good at tackling. Everybody's good at everything. The Green Bay Packers, however, are number two. And by the way, they're one of the worst tackling teams in all of football and are still number two in uh, on defense. As a matter of fact, they are the second worst tackling team. And I've got a question that I want to get to uh, in, a, in a minute about tackling because it's really bad. I mean, the last two weeks with the the 
inability to stop the run, it really just comes down to tackling. It's not even run defense. The, the PFF doesn't mind our run defense. It's just that when guys are in positions to make plays, they don't. And instead of a one-yard loss, you get an eight-yard gain. That's got to stop. However, run defense, 18th, not great, but again, not the worst in the world. Tackling is abysmal. The number one pass rush team, ladies and gentlemen, the Green Bay Packers. In fact, the only team with a quote-unquote very good grade. Uh, they are in the 80s, the next best team, the Houston Texans, Steelers, Falcons, Saints. It's way, 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 way ahead of everybody. The Bears, by the way, 16th, so burn. The Vikings, 20th. The Lions, 22nd. So yeah, Packers are, are far and away ahead of everybody, and I would just like to remind everyone, especially all the Bears fans that scolded me for, for pointing out that the Green Bay Packers front um, could be very well a better pass rush unit and were statistically better than the Bears even last year just based on the statistics of the Packers defensive front, the Bears defensive front, etc., etc. Just want to remind everybody of that. Moving on. In coverage, the Packers, and I cannot believe this is even going to come out of my mouth, although pass rush is incredible, the Packers coverage unit has been bad for a very long time. The Packers are currently ranked fourth in the NFL in coverage. The Patriots, the 49ers, and the Panthers are the only three teams that are higher right now. There was a question, however, that I received, and I apologize, I forget who sent it, and I am kind of short on time, so I don't want to try to dig up who it was, but it was a very good question. And the question was, considering how horrible the tackling is, I would like to know, what is the worst tackling team to ever actually win a Super Bowl? I thought that was a good question, because tackling is one of those fundamental things. It kind of goes to having a good defense, it goes to being a disciplined team. All these things are kind of important if you're going to want to try to win a Super Bowl. So let's just go back a little bit. The best tackling team... Last year was the New England Patriots who won the Super Bowl. So that's probably not going to be the worst tackling team that has ever won a Super Bowl. Let's let's keep on going here. In 2017, the Super Bowl champions were the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles were the 28th ranked tackling team. So I think we found our winner. We don't really need to go back too far. Now, it is worth noting, they were graded out as average. So rank is one thing. They graded out in the 60s. The Packers right now, I believe, are in the 30s. The only team that was as bad at tackling as the Packers are currently in 2017 was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I'm guessing this is something that's going to take place over time. In other words, as the season goes on, the tackling gets better, and you don't get too many of the, the 30s and 40s type type of uh, of grading and tackling. Only three teams had a below-average grade or a grade that was below average. The Chiefs were below average, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were below average, and again, the Steelers were just abysmal. The year before that, the uh, Patriots were... Again, Super Bowl champions, they were fourth in tackling. Big shocker. Patriots are disciplined. Can't even believe it. The year before that, it was the Broncos. The Broncos were the second best tackling team in football. The year before that, the Patriots again won the Super Bowl. They were the second best tackling team. Before that was the Seahawks. The Seahawks were the best tackling team in football. So with the exception of the anomaly of the Eagles, pretty much every team to win the Super Bowl was a top five tackling team. Maybe it's just an anomaly, but I do think it's somewhat important to be a solid, disciplined kind of a team, and that needs to get a lot better because it's ridiculously embarrassing to have guys that are talented enough to get to the quarterback, get to the ball carrier, but then just do nothing about it. Got to change that. A quick look at the offense overall. There was nobody that had an elite grade. Nobody even had a very good grade. However, the guys that you expect to be at the top were at the top. Devontae Adams, MVS, Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari. 
I should say the guys that we want to be at the top. It, it really, it just comes down to we want Aaron Rodgers to play well. Now, this isn't very good for Aaron Rodgers' standard. It's not even good for Devontae Adams' standard because, again, I'm looking for that very good to elite range, and we had zero players in that range. So it does still need to get better. However, again, according to PFF and, and their assessment of this, this is not an Aaron Rodgers problem necessarily. This is not a David Bakhtiari isn't playing well problem. This is not a Devontae Adams isn't playing well problem. It's maybe a they're not up to peak physical number one condition. They need to get a little bit better, but the problems are somewhere else. Um, Jamal Williams also had a good grade. So those are the five players, Adams, Scantling, Rodgers, Bakhtiari, and Williams, that had a good overall grade. The guys at the bottom, the guys that were below average, lots of average, but below average, um, going from not quite that bad to really bad. Corey Lindsley, not because of pass blocking, but a rough day. Darius Shepard, very limited sam- uh, sample size, so we'll give him some time. Jimmy Graham, which is the shock of the century. Danny Vitale, which is probably going to shock a lot of people although his grade has almost everything to do with run block. you got to understand, I know he had that one really good play, but primarily he's in there to run block, and he's a pretty terrible run blocker up to this point. Billy Turner, which shouldn't surprise anyone, as most people are starting to realize, this guy is just terrible at pass blocking. Um, I'm starting to get upset by this pickup. We paid him a lot of money. He wasn't ever really that good. It was kind of one of those head scratchers where, well, it must be a good scheme fit and they think they can turn him around. He comes here and he's playing worse than he's ever played. So starting to get a little discouraged by that pickup. Hopefully he can turn it around. I don't know. And then dead last was Mr. Geronimo Allison. So anyways, let's look at a little more specifics here. As far as pass blocking, there were two players who had very good pass blocking grades. Take a guess who the number one pass blocker was. Nope, not David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins. He has been, I think, consistently the best pass blocker on this team all year long. In the preseason, I think he was the best pass blocker. In the regular season, he's been the number one pass blocker. He is just a very, very good pass blocker. Um, he's show, You've seen a few highlights of him as a run blocker. He has been pretty solid and pretty consistent as a run blocker. He graded out his average this time around, but he's not a bad run blocker. I mean, he just he's just been a very good offensive lineman across the board. Um, he only allowed one hurry the entire game. He did also have one penalty. Uh, David Bakhtiari was number two. He gave up one hit, so one pressure, and it was a hit. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers said he was only hit once in this game. You can uh, credit David Bakhtiari for that one. Number three pass blocker was Corey Lindsley. I know he didn't have a great day, but that was a run blocking thing. Uh, as a pass blocker, he's up to up to snuff right now. He's doing his job. After that was Mr. Alan Lazard. Only had one rep, but, you know, let's give him some credit. Nicely done. After that, another good, uh, well, actually, quote, quote good pass blocker was Mercedes Lewis. That's always good to see. That's exactly why he's here. Jamal Williams did a good job. He always does. Danny Vitale did a great job as a pass blocker. Aaron Jones did a great job as a pass blocker. Jimmy Graham actually graded out his average. This is the thing. There, there is a narrative that he's a good receiver, but not a good blocker. He has been consistently grading out better as a blocker than as, than as a receiver. Not that he grades out well, right? He's, he's average in pass blocking, average in run blocking. I'm sure there's some good blocks, and then there's the ones you see on Twitter, which are just abysmal. As a receiver, though, the guy is really bad. So the idea that let's just stop asking him to block and start having him run routes and catch passes, I don't know, man. I just don't know. I, I just I, When I watch him play, I see a guy that could not care any less about football. I've been saying that since before the season starts. He looks like a guy that wants to retire, but the Packers offered him way too much money, so he has to show up because obviously he's not going to turn down that much money. That's exactly what I'm seeing. He does not look like he cares at all. Um, the... A... a 
bad pass blocker, so not below average, but bad was Brian Balaga. We'll give him a pass. He's been solid all year long. He has gone up against the best of the best. And I said this before the season starts because a lot of these premier pass rushers are actually lining up at our right side. It's usually over by David Bakhtiari. These guys, you know, the Khalil Max and the Von Millers, for whatever reason, these guys are primarily kept on the right side of the offensive line. Brian Balaga has had a, an absolute onslaught of some of the best. I mean, literally, I think Khalil Mack and Von Miller are two of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Um, he did a fantastic job. He gave up five hurries, which is kind of a lot. Um, it's 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 a lot for him. But again, it's, it's Von Miller, and never once did Von touch um, Aaron Rodgers, right? Giving up five pressures is bad, but never once. There was no hits and no sacks. I'm still going to give him some credit. He has been solid all year. And then again, dead last was Billy Turner. His grade was down into the 30s, and it was low 30s. It was really bad. He only gave up three hurries, which uh, numerically isn't as much as Brian Balaga, but again, they're watching each each snap, and it was just apparently very, very ugly. Run blocking. Now, this is, it seems nonsensical, but I mentioned, in this scheme, wide receivers need to be able to run block. It is imperative to this offense, and the coach even called that out. The coach said, in this scheme, I need wide receivers to be able to run block. Well, the top two run blockers were wide receivers, Devontae Adams and Geronimo Allison. And it's and, and again, this isn't a minor thing. Devontae Adams was run blocking 22 times. Geronimo Allison run blocked 10 times. Um, other guys with good grade. By the way, Devontae had a very good run block grade. Geronimo Allison, David Bakhtiari, and Robert Tanyan all had good run blocking grades. Tons of average, a couple of the below average, Evan Bayless, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Billy Turner, big shocker, Mercedes Lewis, Corey Lindsley, and then the one bad run blocker, as I said, was Danny Vitale, which is why his grade overall was lower. So if all you care about is him being able to run crazy routes and, and being kind of an athletic guy, don't worry about his bad grade because he's pretty good at that. But we kind of need him to be a run blocker, and so far he hasn't been very good at that. So that needs some uh, some work, some tweaking. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, a couple notes. One very interesting thing, Aaron Rodgers was actually better when under pressure than not. When he had zero pressure, he had 11 completions on 16 attempts for 107 yards, 6.7 average. Zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, 87.2 passer rating. Under pressure, 6 of 13, which is pretty low, it's 46%, but 128 yards, 9.8 yards per attempt, one touchdown, no interceptions, 107.2 passer rating. So he didn't complete a lot of passes. Three of them were throwaways, so adjusted completion percentage was 60%. But still, a lot of big plays coming off that, which is what you want to see in Aaron Rodgers, right? Making plays while he's on the run. With Von Miller in hot pursuit, he pulls off 128 yards and a touchdown. Some other notes, um, they give grades based on portion parts of the field. His best range of, of the field was downfield. Cumulatively, in 20-plus yards, which is crazy, he was 3 of 4 for 90 yards and a touchdown. The deep left side of the field, he was 1 for 2, 28 yards, 95.8 uh, passer rating. The deep middle, uh, one attempt, one completion, 40 yards and a touchdown, 158.3 passer rating. And then the deep right side of the field, one attempt, one completion, 22 yards, 118.8. So not a lot of attempts, but man, were they efficient down the field. Only one um, incompletion. So he was great under pressure, and he was real good deep. I think that's important stuff. Uh, running the football, Jamal Williams, not surprisingly, was graded out higher. He was a borderline, we'll call him good grade. 12 attempts, 59 yards, 4.9 average. It's got to be one of his better games. Three first down, two carries over 10 yards. 
uh, 38 yards after contact, which is not surprising. Aaron Jones uh, had an average running grade, 10 attempts, 19 yards, 1.9 average. He did have two touchdowns again, which is great. He added four first downs, 13 yards after contact. His longest carry was seven yards. Got to find a way to get him going because he really is the more dynamic runner between the two. But it really just seems like with this offensive line not really being able to run block very well, um, they're having a hard time getting to the outside, right? Teams are, are able to penetrate, and when you're trying to let things develop to the outside, people are just tackling Aaron Jones behind the line of scrimmage. It, it's not developing. So what are they doing? Just give it to Jamal and let him bang it up the middle. And that's just what they're doing, essentially. Another interesting tidbit, um, he ran a lot better to the right, talking about Jamal Williams. It's actually almost, with the exception of one direction, almost exactly the further to the right you go, the more yards he got. Looking at yards per attempt, starting from outside the right uh, tackle, excuse me, outside of the tight end on the right side, moving to the left, here's the yards per attempt. 12, 7.5, So the further you go to the left, the more Jamal struggled. But anyways, either way, they got to get that figured out, and I don't think banging Jamal up the middle is really ultimately going to be the answer because that's not what Matt LaFleur wants to do. That's not how you develop the kinds of plays that we want to develop. We want to get things to the outside. We want to stretch things out a little bit, and that's what's not really working right now. Looking specifically at receiving grades, uh, MVS did have the highest receiving grade on the team, uh, 6 of 9 for 99 yards and a touchdown, 140.5 passer rating when targeted. Devontae Adams also had a good receiving grade, 4 of 4 for 56 yards, 14 yards per reception, 118.8 passer rating. A couple guys that were in the high average, so close to being good, but not quite. Jamal Williams, Mercedes Lewis, and Danny Vitale. Only four targets, four receptions between the three of them, but there you go. Aaron Jones was just below average. One target, one reception for four yards. Robert Tanyan also below average, and Geronimo Allison was into the bad category. Targeted three times, one reception for negative one yards. He also had a drop. He was the only one on the team that had a drop. 42.4 passer rating when targeted. But anyways, why don't we take a quick break, and then we'll flip it over to the defense and uh, take a look at special teams, and we'll be done with this thing. So I actually want to start with special teams because we got to save the best for last. I don't want to like talk about how awesome this, the defense was and then be like, oh yeah, and here's J.K. Scott. Not that there's anything wrong with J.K. Scott or anything. Probably should save him for last, but that's all right. Um, overall on special teams, nobody super stood out. Uh, the top two guys that were borderline good were Ty Summers and uh, Tremont Smith, which is good to see Tremont Smith in there, considering he's the newest addition and was brought in for the purpose of special teams. Guys that really struggled, Tony Brown, Shannon Sullivan, and Josh Jackson was dead last. I feel like he was last week, too. Josh Jackson is really struggling to find a place on this team right now. As far as kicking grades, Mason Crosby had a below-average grade because he missed a field goal. J.K. Scott, on the other hand, who I kind of talked about, um, four attempts, 212 yards, 53 yards average, which is crazy. His longest being 66 yards. All four of his four punts were inside the 20. Only one kick was returned, and it was only returned for three yards. It was one touchback, two fair catches. Average hang time, 466, which when you're banging 66-yard kicks, I would expect his average to be like 42. So I'll take a 4.66 and 66-yard long and a 53-yard average any day of the week. Absolutely crazy. Overall, on the defense, these are just the overall grades now. We'll get into specifics in a little bit. We had one player that was elite. That was Preston Smith. We had three players in the very good category. Number two, Jair Alexander. 
Number three was Tony, or Tony Tyler Lancaster, and then number four, Blake Martinez. It's good to see Blake. He has not um, been super high up. Been kind of getting concerned about him because it's just he hasn't really shown a lot, but this was a really great outing for him. Uh, there was only one player who had a good grade. It's either you know very good, elite, or straight down into average, but that was Mr. Darnell Savage. Uh, Savage has had some issues with you know his pass rush grade, tackling grade, run defense, which weren't bad today. His coverage grade, though, has been good for three weeks in a row. Never elite. I don't think he's ever been in the very good category, but it's been good for three weeks in a row, which, again, for a rookie, and and, and we've gone through some of the rookie grades and all that kind of stuff, especially in my draft podcast, which you should check out. Very few rookies are doing anything at all except being terrible. Darnell Savage being consistently a good cover safety, right, in a relatively complex scheme as a rookie, first time out on the field, didn't get a lot of work in the preseason to be able to come out and do what he's doing. It's very, very encouraging. Guys that had bad days, uh, below average, Adrian Amos, uh, Tony Brown, Will Redmond, and Rashawn Gary. Not as a pass rusher, Rashawn Gary had a horrific tackling grade and was not good against the run. Tackling is a big problem for this team. Dead last, you guys had your one week to gloat, dead last was Kevin King. And I don't even want to hear anybody argue about it. You know that guy was straight trash in coverage last week. Not saying he's going to be bad or I told you so or anything like that. We've seen a lot of encouraging things, but you know full well that that was really bad. Uh, Looking at run defense, Tyler Lancaster and Blake Martinez were the two guys that held it down. A lot of people not really holding their ground, though. There was nobody graded as good, so Tyler and Blake were very good. A bunch of average, and then below average, Kenny Clark, Jair Alexander, Tremont Williams, B.J. Goodson, Kevin King, and then two guys, or the one guy that was bad was Rashawn Gary. The one guy that was graded as very bad was Zadarius Smith. So Zadarius, good at pass rushing. Coming in, he was never really expected to be very good as a run defender, but he definitely needs to be better than this. This was not good at all. Tackling, uh, Blake Martinez, Adrian Amos in the very good category. Jair, right, basically very good. Um, B.J. Goodson, Tremont Williams, Tyler Lancaster were all solid. Three guys were average, Kyler, Kingsley, and Savage. After that, there was nobody below average. We go straight to bad. Bad tacklers include Preston Smith, Josh Jackson, and Kevin King. Terrible tackler, Kenny Clark. Disgusting, makes you want to get sick tackling. We're down into the 20s now. Will Redmond, Rashawn Gary, Dean Lowry, and then dead last is Zadarius Smith. This, I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous, man. I mean, look... These guys are all fired up, right? We're all excited. We're on this this big old D train for whatever reason. Wolf pack of snow flies. I don't know. But it's 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 somewhat hard, and it's not really when you get a bunch of sacks and picks and everything else, but it's kind of hard to be talking about how hardcore you are when you can't tackle anybody. I mean, that's like foundational. I mean, it, we're talking about being mean, being, I mean, the, the, the Seattle Seahawks, back in their heyday, elite tackling unit. Patriots, great tacklers. Bears last year, great tacklers. The Vikings two years ago when they were a dominant defense, great tacklers. If this is going to be an elite defense, you're going to have to be able to tackle. Um, pass rush, not surprisingly, Preston Smith had an elite pass rush grade. Uh, Zadarius was very good. Uh, Kenny Clark and B.J. Goodson were good. Rashawn Gary was right at good. Uh, a whole bunch of below average. Blake Martinez, Tony Brown, Kyler Fackrell, Fatal Brown, Dean Lowry, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, and Kingsley Kiki. Obviously, some of these guys didn't have a ton of opportunities, but and nobody was bad. It was all just kind of below average-ish. And then coverage, Mr. Jair Alexander finally getting some credit. I, I It's probably because of me, because I called him out last week in the Facebook group. we got a private Facebook group for people who are in the elite, whatever, whatever. 
and um, didn't get a response, but told him that I didn't understand the Jair grade. Anyways, they come back and give him an elite grade in this game because that's exactly what he was. Three receptions on five targets for 20 yards, four yards after the catch. Two pass breakups, 68.8 passer rating. Guys who were good in coverage, Tremont, Darnell Savage, Blake Martinez. Guys who struggled, uh, Adrian Amos below average, Will Redmond below average, Kevin King abysmal. Kevin King's statistics, by the way, five receptions, seven targets, 123 yards, 24.6 average, 73 yards after the catch, 113.7 um, passer rating when targeted. To be clear, Kevin King allowed 58% of every single yard gained through the air. 58 more than half of the yards gained through the air were directly related to Kevin King. 123 yards, the next highest was Adrian Amos gave up 33 yards. Come on now. Um, some statistics for you. Zadarius Smith actually led the team in pressures despite Preston's great effort. Uh, he had two sacks, one hit, and three hurries. Preston Smith had five pressures, three sacks, two hurries. Uh, Kenny Clark had three pressures. All three were hurries. Rashawn Gary actually was credited with two sacks in this game. Not officially, but PFF gave him two sacks. He he, he probably, because they don't give half sacks, so maybe he ha he was in on one that he didn't generally get credited for, but that's kind of crazy. Two pressures, both of them were sacks. Uh, Dean Lowry with two, Kyler with two, B.J. Goodson and Adrian Amos each with uh, one pressure. All of those last remaining guys were just hurries. Grand total of seven sacks, which isn't official. That's just how many sacks were credited to these guys. One hit and 16 hurries. Two forced fumbles, compliments of Jair Alexander and Preston Smith. One interception from Darnell Savage. And two pass breakups, both of them coming from Jair Alexander. Elite outing from the crew. Looking at this defense overall, and we could do this for offense, but I'm not going to because it's probably just going to depress everyone. I want to look at the defense um, compared to the rest of the NFL. Right now, Kenny Clark is graded as the seventh best defensive tackle in the NFL. Calais Campbell, Charles Amenahu, Aaron Donald, Grady Jarrett, DJ Reader, Stephon Tewitt, and then Kenny Clark. As far as run defense, Kenny Clark is 17th. However, Mr. Tyler Lancaster is the 15th best run defending uh, defensive tackle in the NFL. Lancaster is also the 15th best tackling defensive tackle in the NFL. Looking at pass rush, Kenny Clark is the 4th best pass rushing defensive tackle in the NFL. As far as edge rushers go, Zadarius Smith is graded as the 17th best edge rusher overall, and uh, Preston Smith is tied with Ronald Blair for the 8th best. Now, things are you're going to get some weird names in here because some of these guys are having really good outings, and they're going to slowly fall off, like Ronald Blair and Kimoko Ture, who had a great week one, and I don't know if he got hurt or what. He's only got 36 snaps. Also, Aaron Lynch, who's clogging this thing up because he had one good week, and it seems like he hasn't played. He's played 19 snaps. As a matter of fact, if I filter this out, let's filter it to get rid of some of these guys. So Darius is 15th, and uh, Preston is 6th. Looking specifically at pass rush, though, Zadarius is 11th, Preston is 4th. The Packers essentially have two top 10 pass rushers in the NFL right now. The next best duo that I can see is uh, Robert Quinn and Demarcus Lawrence, which is actually very similar. Robert Quinn is one spot ahead of Preston Smith, Demarcus Lawrence is one spot behind Zadarius Smith. So the, the Packers and the Dallas Cowboys clearly with the top pass rush duo in the NFL right now. 
In terms of total pressures, however, Sedarius Smith is now officially leading the NFL. He was tied week one with Daniil Hunter. He was tied week two with Daniil Hunter. He has now pulled away. Daniil Hunter and Cam Jordan have 20 pressures. Zadarius Smith has 21 pressures. Preston Smith is tied with Marcus Davenport, Josh Allen, and Brandon Graham uh, in 11th place with 15 pressures. The best duo, however, Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin are second and fourth with 39 combined pressures. The Packers have 36, so they're just right nipping at the heels, just got to keep getting after. Sacks on the season, Shaquille Barrett is number one. If you guys have been listening for a while, you probably remember I mentioned I wanted to get Shaquille Barrett. Nobody wanted to listen. That's fine. Uh, Miles Garrett has five. After that, Preston Smith is tied with uh, Marcus Golden, Benson Mayoa, Whitney Merciless, and Mario Addison with four sacks on the season. And then Zadarius is in the three-sack club. So, Basically, three and four sacks. You've got uh, Preston and Zadarius, and then there's just two guys, Miles Garrett and Shaquille Barrett, or Garrett and Barrett, who are leading everybody else. Overall, Blake Martinez not really standing out much as a linebacker. He is the 24th best run defending linebacker, which isn't bad, but he is the eighth best pass rushing linebacker, which is a pretty solid asset. He's got two pressures on only six attempts. Probably should get him mixed in a little bit more. At safety, Darnell Savage, the rookie is graded as the 10th best safety in the NFL. Just listen to these names that he's in company with, because 10th best doesn't even sound that good. These are these are unbelievable. Say Anthony Harris, Minnesota Vikings, uh, Marcus Williams, Jamal Adams, Devin McCourty, Patrick Chung, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Harrison Smith, Eric Weddle, Darnell Savage, Malik Hooker. I mean, Buda Baker, Marcus May, Earl Thomas is 14th. By the way, somebody asked the question. This is this is so funny that this is like a legit competition. And I'm sure his grade is going to go up after yesterday's performance. He had a pick six. But somebody asked who has a higher PFF grade between HaHa Clinton Dix and Adrian Amos. HaHa is 18th. Adrian Amos is 19th. And really, Amos should be higher. He has a better coverage grade, although, again, that probably is going to change. He has an elite tackling grade. HaHa Clinton Dix, not surprisingly, is below average. The biggest difference between them is HaHa Clinton Dix has a slightly better run defense grade, but whatever. Either way, we have two top 20 safeties in the NFL. Amos is the 15th best run defending uh, safety. He is the 6th best tackling safety. And Mr. Dar- well, let's go with Adrian Amos, 23rd in coverage. Adrian or Darnell Savage is 8th in coverage. Jamal Adams, Anthony Harris, Patrick Chung, Devin McCourty, Marcus Williams, Micah Hyde, Harrison Smith, Darnell Savage. Oh my goodness, is that some great company to be in. Finally, I want to look at cornerbacks. Um, Overall, defense, right now as it stands, Jair Alexander is 11th. Tremont Williams is 23rd. Kevin King, after that latest performance, dropped to 56th overall. Uh, A lot of bad talk about tackling, but Tremont is actually the 13th best tackling corner. Pass rush, for what it's worth, Kevin King is graded as the third best. However, he has attempted a pass rush exactly zero times. But coverage is what it's all about. Tremont Williams is currently graded as the 20th best coverage corner. You know who the number one corner is? Mr. Jair Alexander, number one cover corner in the NFL right now. I know PFF didn't give him a great grade last week, but through three weeks, Jair Alexander is number one in coverage. Unbelievable. Not that it's super crazy or anything, but just as a contrast, as you'll remember, A lot of people talked about Denzel Ward, and there was a big talk about who's going to be better, and some Packer fans were talking about, oh, Denzel Ward is is going to be, you know, not as good as Jair, and people said, well, that's ridiculous. 
Denzel Ward is the fifth best cover corner on his own team, 99th overall. He has been terrible this year in coverage in just about everything, to be completely honest. So the defense is killing it. They've got one of the best, if not the best, pass rush duo in the NFL. They've got um, an elite pass rushing team overall. They have the number one corner in the NFL right now. Things are clicking on all cylinders. But anyways, that's going to do it for me. Tomorrow we got to real quick get out, get after these Philadelphia Eagles and get looking at them. Got to change gears kind of quickly because we have a Thursday game. But you folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>